Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Why is a throne set in heaven? What does it have to do with anything? Well, it has a lot to do with everything. Because remember, it's A.D. 96. And Diocletian, the Roman emperor, is persecuting Christians. He's brutally persecuting and attacking people, men, women, children, throwing them into the Colosseums at the Saturday arena, burning them at the stake cutting off their heads. He is torturing our brothers and sisters for the faith. So John is writing. The first thing he sees is a throne set in heaven. Why? Because he is telling the Christians, those who are suffering under the throne of Rome. He's saying, listen, you guys, I understand that you're suffering under the throne of Rome, under Diocletian, that sick guy who's persecuting you and, and punishing you, and you're suffering. But listen, there is a throne set in heaven. So get your mind, if you will, off of the things that's going on around you and happening to you and start setting your mind and your heart on heaven, on the throne that is in heaven. Yes, I understand there's a throne set in Rome, but there is a throne that is set in heaven. And that is very consistent with what Paul the Apostle told the Colossians when he said, set your mind on things above and not on the things of the earth. See, heaven is our hope. Heaven is our only hope. And when you're suffering or going through problems, situations, and circumstances, listen, if you don't set your mind on heaven, you're going to have a lot of problems in this world. You've got to set your mind on the things above. As Christians, we're called to be heavenly minded. There's a throne that is set in heaven. That word set literally can be translated laid or planted or fixed. The throne, John says, is fixed, it's laid, it's planted in heaven. And don't forget there truly is a throne in heaven. 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 Last week I asked you two questions. Do you believe in heaven? And I asked you, do you believe you're going there? Do you believe in heaven? That's most of y'all. That's pretty good. And do you believe you're going to heaven? The same thing happened second service that happened first service. I asked them, did they believe in heaven? About half the people said, yeah. I asked them if they were going to heaven, and everybody said yes. Now, is that a problem there, or is it just me? Heaven is a real place. 
I believe heaven is a real place because the Bible teaches that heaven is a real place. This week I was talking to Pastor Rob about heaven and asked him if he wanted to be a Christian, he could go there and he rejected me. No, I'm just kidding. Don't tell him. Actually, we were talking about that, uh, that song, Imagine, by John Lennon. Now, some of you may be too young to remember that song, but it was a song called Imagine. John Lennon wrote the song, and it's a beautiful song. I mean, it really is a beautiful song, but when you get past, see, so often we, we listen to music and we just get into the music and we ignore the words. That's dangerous. You're putting that stuff in your spirit. What's, what's in you is going to come out. So don't let anybody tell you, oh, well, if you, whatever music you listen to, it doesn't matter. It's just music. No, no, no. Listen, kids. Listen, adults. No, big kids. No, no, no. What you put in your spirit is going to come out and work its way out of the, your life and its behavior. So we listen to music and we go, oh, that song, Imagine, is such a beautiful song. I mean, oh, and I just love the, the music. It's so, oh, the music is so beautiful. Yeah, it is. But do you know the words of that song are downright blasphemous? Do you know the words of that song diminishes and, and just, just totally negates this whole idea of heaven? And not only that, but that song, Imagine, I'd go as far as to say that that song is setting people up for the one world system that we talk about often. It's setting people up for the oneness of the world system, diminishes a real heaven. Listen to the words. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us, and the world will be as one. I hope someday you'll join us. Join us in what? In our unbelief of heaven. That's what he's saying. Join us and we'll all be as one. Listen, I would hate to imagine that there's no heaven. Because if this world is all there is, then we should all be on Prozac. <laughs> now, is there a doctor in the house? Write some scripts for Prozac now. Because there's no hope. There is no hope. If, all, if this is it, if this is it, you know, I think about that, the, the little girl, Danielle Van Dam, seven years old, in her room, in her home, sleeping, and some lunatic psycho from two doors down comes in, cuts the chain on her door, breaks into her home somehow, and steals her, and then takes her, brutalizes her, and murders her. And John, you want me to imagine that there's no heaven? What are you, nuts? Man, if there is no heaven, then we are all men and women most miserable. Oh, I look forward to going to heaven. I don't know about you. I can't wait to go to heaven. 
I have loved ones who are not Christians. I have loved ones who do not know the Lord. And I pray for their salvation. But I still, in my spirit, in my heart, I cannot wait to go to heaven. Heaven is my only hope. And for me, as a Christian, and for you as a Christian, listen, this is as bad as it gets. If you're suffering here, okay, this is as bad as it gets. Because it's onward and upward from here. Amen. But, but let me tell you something now. Let me tell you, if you don't know Jesus, and I'm not trying to scare you into getting saved. I'm not trying to scare you into getting saved. Listen, 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 listen. If I can talk you into it, I can talk you out of it. I'm not trying to talk you. These are the facts. These are just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. If you are not a born-again believer, this is as good as it gets for you. This is as good. It's all downhill from here. Oh, I'd even go as far as to say if you're not a born-again believer and you have no intentions on giving your life to Jesus Christ, then you should just party hardy, man. Just party till your brains come out. Just, just go full on in the sin. Really, uh, really, go, I mean, do it. Live your life. Live to the fullest. Get all that you can get. Be all that you can be in this life because this is as good as it gets. Because from here, it's all downhill if you don't know Jesus Christ. But if you're a Christian, this is as worse as it gets. It doesn't get worse. Than, imagine there's no heaven. Are you crazy? No, I won't. I will keep the hope of heaven before me. I don't know about you, but have you ever felt out of place? Sometime I feel so out of place. I look at what's going on in the world and I feel like, where am I? I don't want to be amongst this mess. There's a real heaven. There is a real throne and it is fixed. It's laid. It's planted in this place called heaven. Now that is also important for these Christians because in the days of Israel's idolatry, get this, in the days of their idolatry, they had what was known as these high places or they were like these groves of trees. And in these groves or these high places, they would commit unspeakable acts of paganism and worship to Baal and to Astroth and to many, many, many other gods. They would worship gods, these gods, these small g gods in some really evil and perverted ways. And they had thrones to these gods. And these thrones were portable and they were movable. And they would move the throne from high place to high place. They were constantly moving. They weren't firm. They weren't lasting. And they weren't fixed. So, the, so John is saying to the, listen, you guys, remember your history now. Remember the history of paganism. Remember those thrones? Well, those thrones were movable, and they were portable, and they weren't fixed, and they weren't, they weren't solid and concrete. But the throne of God, the sanctuary of God, is fixed. It's set in heaven. It's set. 
Jeremiah in one of his darkest, deepest points of depression in his life, he made this powerful statement. I love this verse, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 12. It tells us a glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. Don't you love that? I love that. Jeremiah said a glorious and high throne from the beginning is the place of our Christian, your sanctuary. You see, to the Christian, no matter what's going on in your life, God is on the throne. God's throne is a place of sanctuary where nothing can touch us. God's throne is not like the thrones of the worldly pagan deities. You see, the throne of the world, they're constantly moving and they're constantly changing. The thrones of the world, the, 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 to the God of materialism, oh, the thrones are always changing. You get a house, you want a bigger house. You get a nice Lexus, you want a bigger Lexus. You see, materialism, the, God, uh, the thrones, they always, they continue to change. The God of sensuality, oh, that's an important big God in our culture today. The God of sensuality, you, you worship there until, until somebody cuter or somebody more sexy comes along and your altar, it moves, it changes, it shifts, it relocates. And of course, the God of intellectualism, five major universities in a triangle, most certainly we worship the God of intellectualism. You study and you learn and after you get that degree, you're bored. Something's still missing from your life. And then, of course, let us not forget the God of pharmaceuticals. What's that, Ronnie? Drugs. Drugs. Oh, do we worship at that altar in our country? Of course we do. One beer, two brewskis, 24 brewskis, no buzz. You move the pot, then you doesn't do it for you. Different altar. Oh, we need to go to harder drugs, alcoholism, all of these altars. And you know what happens is you start worshiping at those altars, you go deeper and you go deeper and you go deeper. And that's how you get to the point of addiction. That's how you get to the point where things have spun out of control. Nobody wakes up one morning and says, oh, well, I think I'll become an alcoholic today. Yeah. Nobody does that. How do you get to the point of becoming addicted to anything? Because you begin at that altar and it changes and it moves and it shifts and it relocates until you're deeper and deeper and deeper and your life is devastated and you have no idea how you got there. Those altars change, but the throne of God doesn't change. Amen. Does not change. Psalm 45 verse 6, your throne. We sang it this morning. Psalm 45, verse 6, David said, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. God's throne is not moving, not changing, not mobile. The throne of God is fixed. So the first thing that catches John's eye, he's caught up into heaven. And the first thing that he sees, the first thing that grabs his attention is the prominence of the throne, a glorious throne that is set in heaven. Point number two, if you're taking notes, notice the second thing that John points out for us is the person on the throne. The person on the throne, which is Jesus. Now, 
I've never ceased to be amazed, be amazed at how people like to imagine Jesus and paint pictures of him. You ever noticed? And every culture has their image of Jesus. It's true. You've got the black Jesus with an afro. I've seen that. You've got the, 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 the blonde hair, blue eyes, surfer looking type Jesus. You've seen him. And he's just kind of, and he's always smiling. It's like, what has he got? This real big wave coming in, man. And he's like, yeah, I'm happy with the world, dude. Every culture has their idea or their image of Jesus. Every culture. Asians, well, they have their image of Jesus also. Did you notice something in our text? Did you notice when John saw the person on the throne, he did not see a form? Did you note that? He didn't see a form. What John sees when he looks at the person on the throne, he sees color. Nothing but color. John sees, if you will, a light show. And he uses the jasper and the sardis stone to describe his beauty. First of all, the jasper stone. Now, that's not the same jasper stone that we have today. Revelation 21, 11 tells us the jasper stone is a clear crystal-like stone, more like a diamond. And it speaks of brilliance and glory, the reflection of light. And then he saw the second stone is the sardis stone or the sardine stone, which is more like a ruby red color. So John sees red. It's thick and it's dark red. And you don't have to stretch very far to think when you see the color red in scripture, what does it bring to mind? The blood of Christ. So he sees this, the red stone, this ruby red stone. So there's brilliance and light emanating and sparkling from the throne, like pop, 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 like almost like a fireworks type thing from the throne. And then red is all around the throne. Now, why did John or why did the Holy Spirit choose these two stones? Well, a couple of reasons I want to point out. Some scholars believe that the epistles of John, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, are written after the book of Revelation. If that is true, then it may explain why in the first letter John writes, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, John says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So the jasper stone speaks of light. And then the sardis stone, as I said, reminds us of the blood. And the blood reminds us of the love of God. So then John would write in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, God is love, which links itself to the blood, to that ruby red stone. God is love. And God has shown his love to us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners. Are you a sinner this morning? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the Bible teaches they pierced his hands and they put a nail in his side and his feet. They plaited a crown of thorns and they put it on his head. 
And then they took a spear and they put it in his side. And the ruby red blood of Christ came flowing from his veins. And God proved his love for me by shedding his blood for me. It was on the cross that God proved that he was madly in love with me and you. The cross is God's message of his love toward you. Don't ever question God's love. You want to see God's love? You want to know God's love? Then look at the cross because the cross is God's demonstration of his love for us. So why these two stones? Well, here's another interesting point. In Exodus chapter 28, you might want to look this up in your own time. We read of the high priest. And the high priest, stay with me, the high priest wore a breastplate over his garments. And on this breastplate, there were 12 stones, one for each tribe of Israel, three columns, four rows, 12 stones representing the 12 sons of Jacob. And get this, get this. Interesting enough, the first stone on the breastplate was the Sardis stone. And the firstborn son to Jacob was named who? Reuben. Reuben. Now, Ru means behold. And Ben, B-E-N, means son. Right? Behold the son. And the last stone on the breastplate was the jasper stone. Or this diamond-colored stone. And the last son of Jacob, the last son of the 12 sons was named who? Benjamin, very good, which means son Ben, son Jamin or Jamin, Ben Jamin. Uh, sorry, I am so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ben Jamin means what? Of my right hand. Benjamin means son of my right hand. So we have the firstborn on the breastplate and the lastborn on the breastplate. And it's very interesting, is it not, that Jesus said, I am the first and the last. So even, get this, even the names of the stones and the color combination gives us insight into the person on the throne. Very interesting. Jesus is at the right hand of God. Jesus is the son of my right hand. And I want you to notice something. What is the son of my right hand doing on the throne? What is he doing in verse 2? Notice the Bible says one sat on the throne. Now I find that interesting. He's sitting, not standing. He's sitting, not pacing back and forth in front of the throne. He is sitting not freaking out. He's sitting, not biting his nails and looking over the edge of heaven and thinking, oh, hey, oy vey, there's no help with those people down there. No, he's just sitting. And he's resting on the throne. You see, God is on the throne. God is always on the throne. And the same thing that, I, that, that John saw, all the prophets saw the same thing. Very interesting. Isaiah chapter 6, you look that up in your own time. Isaiah saw the Lord sitting high and lifted up on the throne. 
Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. It was in an afternoon vision or a lunchtime vision out by the river. Ezekiel saw the Lord on the throne. Daniel chapter 7, in a night vision, Daniel saw the Lord on the throne. God is on the throne. Amen. God is on the throne. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. God has never left the throne. You see, he was on the throne when Isaiah saw him. He was on the throne when Ezekiel saw him. He's on the th- he was on the throne when Daniel saw him. He was on the throne when John saw him. And guess what? If you look up, he'll still be on the throne. Rodney, you don't understand. I've got some serious problems, man. You just don't get it. You're right, I don't. But God is on the throne. He's still on the throne. He has never left the throne. God doesn't get a a, a headache and have to leave the throne. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.